Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Should have planned it. You ready? Ready? You ready out there? All right. Good morning, Revival Life Church. I am so happy to be with you on this Sunday morning. I love God. I love this church. I love what God is doing in our midst. Hey, I want to thank you all for uh, just being part of our school supply drive. Thanks for bringing this stuff out. I hope you enjoyed seeing some faces, uh, maybe a little coffee. uh, And and I hope uh, it feels good knowing that you're helping some people. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what's happening in our church right now. We're building our production team. We got some of our new production team members here filming service right now. We're all on our own, but I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's part of what God is doing in this generation right now. I remember for years, people have prophesied a revival among the millennials and among Generation Z. Prophets have been talking about it for years. And what I have found out is it rarely happens the way people think it's going to happen. Now, they thought that the revival that was coming would look just like the revival that just happened. But how many of you know that God doesn't need to do a revival of things He's already done? He's doing a new thing in this generation. It's been prophesied a lot, but now that it's happening, some of the folks don't like it as much. But what I have seen is there is a revival of righteousness happening in this generation. There is a revival of love for one another. There's a revival of the conviction of the heart to stop judging and to start loving. This is what Holy Spirit is doing in this generation, and I am determined to be a part of it. I am determined to not let this move of God pass me by. I hope you're going to join me on this journey. Listen, I am um, I'm from South Florida, as you know. I'm from here. I love South Florida. I grew up in uh, Delray. And uh, as we used to say, Delray. Uh, If you're not from there, you say Delray. Uh, But I'm from Delray. And I grew up in this town. I love Boca. I love Delray. I love Deerfield. I love this area. I love South Florida. And South Florida is multicultural. Jesus Christ made us that way, made us multicultural. Now, Stick with me for 30 seconds before we transition into the Word, all right? There are problems all around us. There's problems in the church, problems in our government, problems in the world. Among many of these problems, there is a pandemic happening. It's a real pandemic. Everybody here is wearing a mask. Uh, I'm not because I'm preaching. Um, This is a real thing and we're dealing with it. There is a racial issue that's happening, and I believe this is of the Lord bringing bringing some things in order that have been out of order. He's He's bringing some justice and righteousness. Now, I want you to hear this before you tune me out. I, I did not cause this problem. I bear no guilt over the racial issues that are happening in South Florida. I don't I don't have any white guilt. I don't, I don't, I don't have any generational guilt. I, I did not cause this problem. And I, I don't, I don't 
want to convince anybody that you are the problem. I, I, I'm not the problem. But I guarantee you this, I am determined to be part of the solution. I didn't cause this, but I am going to help fix it. This is what the people of God do. The people of God see a problem and they say, listen, I'm going to identify with that problem. And as I change, God will change the circumstances. And this is as old as God's relationship with man. If my people who are called upon my name will humble themselves and pray, then he heals the land. And our land needs healing right now. It needs physical healing. It needs spiritual healing. And it needs social healing. And it's not going to happen until the church of Jesus Christ begins to identify with the problem and humble themselves and say, you know what? It's not about my rights. It's about healing our land. I am determined to be part of the solution. I hope you'll join me on this journey. I hope we'll go on this journey together. Listen, we have been having service here remotely for, I think this is the 17th week. That is insane. But to me, if we get to keep some people healthy, absolutely worth it. We've had some awkward conversations recently about what's happening in our country, and some people feel persecuted. If we heal some relationships, totally worth it. I am willing to be uncomfortable to bring comfort. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means. And so here we are at Revival Life Church. I love this place. I love you. I miss you so much. I miss hugging on people. I miss seeing your face. I miss seeing your kids. But if we can keep some people healthy, totally worth it. I hope that you'll be part of this thing that God is doing. I, I, I hope that you want to spread the word about what God is doing in this generation. I hope you want to be part of it. And I hope you let God use you. All right, is that okay? I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and crack open the Bible. Let's get in the word. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and we are going to, um, we're going to continue our message series. Love God, love others, prove it. And, and this is like, I hope you got your Bible ready. I hope, I hope, I hope you got your Bible ready. I hope you are uh, ready to crack open the word. I hope you're ready to get your Bible, get your notebook, get your notepad, get your communion elements. It's going to be an amazing day today. Hey, we're still, like I said, in our message series, love God, love others, prove it. I'm, I'm, I am enjoying this. I'm enjoying being around you. I'm enjoying what God is doing in our midst. I'm enjoying the people God has recently added to our church. I'm super happy about what he's doing here and now. You know, as I read the New Testament, as I read about how Jesus interacted with the world, in some ways, it wasn't that different from today. When Jesus walked the earth, it seemed like everybody was on one side or the other. Of course, of course I'm talking about the Jews, the, the people that Jesus first came for. It seemed like everybody was on one side or the other. And uh, if you're like me, you have felt like, man, I don't, I don't fit in 
to this current political atmosphere. Either you're on one side or you're on the other. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see the world that way. I don't, I, don't, I don't see it the way everyone else is seeing it, this polarization. I feel like there's more important questions than are you on the right wing or on the left wing. The, the important question about today is, are you a Christian? I'm hearing a lot of people say they're Christians, but that makes me beg the question, are you living like Jesus? It seems like a lot of people are using Christian labels today, but the real question we need to ask is, are you living like Jesus? Is emulating Jesus important in your life? And it needs to be, because that's what a real Christian is. A Christian is someone who lives like Jesus. And we, as the church, we get to say, hey, listen, what you're calling Christian is not Christian. You don't get to just make that up and label, like, you don't get to put me in a box. You don't, that is not, that does not emulate my Savior. We get to say that as the church. This is our role in the world. So like today, where there's, everything seems to be one side or the other. In Jesus' day, they didn't have Republicans and Democrats, of course. They had Pharisees and Sadducees. You, you've read about this, of course. The Sadducees were the arist- aristocratic uh, people. They were like a monarchical ruling class in the church. They really believed that the oral tradition was equal to the written law, right? So we need to understand that. Oral tradition was equal to the written law to the Sadducees, and their whole uh, religion focused on the temple, right? The temple was the center of the Sadducees, their whole faith life. Now, the Pharisees, of course, they were more the common people, but they were about the written law, the literal interpretation of the written law. They didn't accept the oral tradition at all in what they call today the Mishnah. They they didn't accept that as authoritative. They didn't believe in an afterlife. They believed in a literal interpretation of the law. That's why uh, we see the, 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 the rabbinical tradition happening today because when the temple was destroyed, of course, the Sadducees stood with it and were destroyed. Now, the Sadducees, if we look at Matthew chapter 22, which is what we're going to dive into in a moment, when we look at Matthew chapter 22, the Sadducees had been talking to Jesus. They were trying to trap him to be one of them. See, the Pharisees, they, they, they went up to Jesus and they tried to get him and the Sadducees would try to get him. And the Sadducees asked about the resurrection. If you remember in Matthew chapter 22, there had this long elaborate story about, well, if you die and this wife becomes that one's husband and this, then whose husband in their afterlife? They tried to, they tried to trap him. And the Pharisee said, well, you know, they, they wanted to trap him into being a Pharisee and, and, and since they were all about the scriptures. So they thought they had him, but here in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not understanding the Scriptures or the power of God. Now, 
here, 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 Jesus is like, there's no way you're going to trap me. You think you're all about the scriptures, but listen, you're wrong because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. See, these Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were arguing about whose revelation was greater, who had a greater view of who God was, who had a greater view of what God wanted us to do. And their goal was not to serve God. Their goal was to be self-righteous. It's not that unlike today. Their goal wasn't to serve God. Their goal was to be self-righteous. We can't fall into this trap, friends. We can't fall into this trap. So the Pharisees said to themselves, wow, if you're not on the side of the Sadducees, then you must be on our side. And Jesus is like, nah, man, you don't know me. So many people are trying to claim Jesus on their political side today. And Jesus is like, man, you don't, you don't, even, you don't even know me. And here's what it comes down to. Here's what we have to ask ourselves. Which group of church people are we trying to impress? A lot of times we live our lives not in response to the conviction of Holy Spirit, what God is pulling us to do, but we try to see what church group we want to fit into. We can't let that happen, friend. We, we have to respond to God. Following the story here in Matthew chapter 22, continuing verse 37, Jesus put them both in their place. He's like, okay, you like scriptures, but you don't know the word or the power. You like the, 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 the tradition. No, listen. Here's the greatest commandment. If you're looking for one, and we've talked about this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, listen, stop trying to impress people. Live a life of love. Stop trying to get me to be on your side. Get on my side, the side of love. Now, we've taught about this a lot here at Revival Life Church, and if you're you're joining us, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to my camera person. You have to stop cracking your knuckles while I'm preaching. Hallelujah. So listen. So we um <laughs> we uh uh, uh <laughs> they're laughing over there. We, I told you, new production team. New production team. We're family. So we're going to give a condensed version of this law. Are you guys with me? Are you following me? Is everybody in here following me? Yeah, yeah okay, they're following. Listen, Jesus talked in parable and he talked about, you, you remember the good Samaritan? The Samaritan was the guy that both the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have agreed that you're not supposed to help that guy. And so we see a little picture here. We got, we got the the, the priest guy, and we got the temple assistant passing by. And the Samaritan said, hey, let me stop and help this guy who's on the side of the road, right? And if you remember, Jesus has taught this parable, and the church has taught it for a couple thousand years, and they've come to maybe the wrong conclusions. And here's what Jesus was teaching. Don't be these guys, right? That's the conclusion. Don't think that you're so holy that you cannot help people. Don't think that you're so close with God that you don't have to actually stop for somebody hurting. Do you see somebody hurting? Jesus didn't say interview them and see if you agree with their worldview. See if you agree with their cause. Make sure it wasn't his fault he got beat up. Maybe he was a criminal. 
No, 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 no. Is somebody hurting? Don't be these guys. Watch this. This is deep. Ready? You want to be this guy, right? That's the guy you want to be. You want to be the person who stops and helps the hurting. This is who we want to be as Christians. This is who we want to be. And so it's not just what do you believe. It's not just do you love. Our life should be able to prove. Our life should be able to prove what we really believe. People should be able to look at our lives and see our faith. If you know God, don't live for the approval of church people. I mean that in the religious sense, man. We need pastors, we need overseers, we need correction, we need godly friends. But we don't live for them. We should be living to show God's love. What we're living for is at the end of the age, when we cross over into eternity, that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're looking for. And to do that, we got to live lives like Jesus. The end of the story is that we want to be able to say we tried to live a life like Jesus. Again, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Heart, soul, mind, heart, soul, mind. When you meet someone who's been transformed by love, you know it. You absolutely know it. You absolutely know when you come into contact with someone and they've encountered Jesus and he's changed their heart. And as believers, we need to be able to look at our own lives and say, does my life look like my heart has been transformed by love? That's what we have to figure out. Am I living a life of love? You see, this happened to Paul. Paul was a hateful murderer. And then he encountered God. He encountered God and his heart was transformed and he began teaching people about what it looks like to be transformed. He said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. This is Paul. This is a guy who was murdering people for not doing the right thing. But the greatest of these is love. I remember, um, I remember when we were uh, having our first child, uh, Tracy and I, and we went to childbirth classes. And I'm kind of, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm kind of dumbfounded when people have their first child and don't go to childbirth classes. I don't quite get it. Like, you have no clue what's about to happen. And people are like, well, I just figured out. No, 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 you won't. You're like, if you're pregnant, go to childbirth classes. If you don't have a kid yet, decide, I'm going to go to childbirth classes. I ask people, hey, what are you going to do if this happens? Huh? Bruh, better figure it out ahead of time because you're just going to be panicking when it happens, right? So you got to figure this out ahead of time. 
right? So go to childbirth class. So I remember people were asking like how to take care of it. Uh, what do we do if this happens? What do we do if that happens? What about this? And I remember this so clearly. I remember the lady who was um, leading the childbirth class. She said this. She says, if you act in love, you can't go wrong. If you just act in love, you can't go wrong. And I tell you, if you demonstrate love to people, you can't go wrong. This is what Jesus said. This, verse 38, is the great and first commandment. Love God. Love God. We need to act in love and represent God. If you don't get that right, nothing you do will be right. Paul said, listen, I don't care if you can prophesy down the stars. I don't, I don't, I don't care if you can heal dead people. I don't care if you can see 20 years into the future and accurately call it out. I don't care what gifts you have. If it's not built on love, nothing's going right. We got to get this love thing right. Quit trying to perform for one another and get this love thing right. And that's what this world needs. That's what this coming generation is looking for. They're looking for love. They're looking for people who will actually live in a selfless love. See, our Christianity, it's, it's, it's not just a belief system. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just a way of looking at the world. Our faith is active. Our faith is actually living. Our Savior lives on the inside of us. And He's actually moving, doing things on the inside of us. And our God is living and active in us. And the love of God grows and expands in our heart. Areas where we used to be bitter, as the love of God begins to wash our heart over time, we revisit those things and we're not bitter anymore. The people who maybe did us wrong, because of the love of God, we're able to forgive. And people we once judged, as the love of God begins to move in our heart, we're able to treat them with grace. This is what love looks like. This is what love does in our hearts. God moves in wherever we let Him move in, and then He begins to move into new areas. And as we're filled with this love, it moves in the different aspects of our lives. Maybe when we first met God, we weren't a God lover because we didn't know Him. And our heart is filled with the love of God. All of a sudden, we love Him unconditionally. And then we start noticing like, man, uh, yeah, you may love God, but what about that person? You're like, ooh, because God is moving into new areas of our lives. And we find ourselves, instead of living for what just gets us ahead and makes us successful in the world, we want to start doing what's right. We start living our lives for more things than just more money, more popularity, more power. We start living for what's right. And this is when Jesus starts becoming the center of our faith. Instead of just what God can do for me, Jesus starts to become the center of our faith. I'm letting you know what's coming in the next couple years. 
we started 2020 with a word that we're to start seeing Jesus more clearly this year. And I'm, sometimes you start seeing the truth more when the lie is uncovered more. And let me tell you this, Jesus is the truth. He's not spin. <clears throat> I'm going to be very honest with you, friend. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Pray for me, honey. Hallelujah. Um, I've had some difficult conversations recently, and I want you to hear me with love. Um, I, I today on, uh, on, on I, I, don't, I hardly ever go on Facebook. I just go on Facebook to post stuff. But I posted a link to an article, and uh, some people think we can debate whether or not masks help. And I posted an article that lists 70 scientific studies that each independently show that masks keep the spread of germs down. It's not even debatable science that masks help. And so if you're somewhere believing that, well, we don't really know the truth, you have been denied the truth somehow Somehow, somebody has gotten authority in your life. This is, it's just plain fact that when you wear a mask, you help other people. Hear me, this is the truth, and this is not debatable. This is not a debatable fact. It's real. But someone had a political agenda and wanted to teach you, wanted you to get you on their side so they can assume power, and so they shared a lie with you. Listen, Jesus is the truth. And where a lie spreads, Jesus is absent. This is the next wave. This is what's happening. People are embracing truth instead of the lie. Get in on the truth. Watch this. The devil is the father of lies. I mean, so where there is a lie, there is the enemy. And so if something as simple as whether or not a mask can help gets clouded in people's minds. What about the divinity of Jesus? What about God's clear teaching on so many moral issues like, I don't know, help hurting people? How about helping the sick? How about, I don't know, crack open the Word of God and see what He says about immigrants? He has something to say about all these things. But if we let the lie in, then all these teachings of Jesus get polluted. Are you with me, friend? If it's a lie, it's not from God. There's no such thing as a white lie. There's no such thing as stretching the truth. There's no such thing as, well, that's politics. There's no such thing as being politically correct. Either you're telling the truth or you're telling a lie. If it's not the truth, it's a lie. Now, I hope you believe with me and are praying that Holy Spirit will come and spark revival in South Florida. I want Holy Spirit to come and be poured out upon all flesh. And I want to be part of a Holy Ghost outpouring. But we need to remember this as we call upon the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. He's not the stretch the truth spirit. He's not the political spirit. He's not the self-centered spirit. He's holy. And holiness requires self-sacrifice. 
when you're fully open to Holy Spirit, you don't have to hide your life anymore. You don't have to keep a lot of secrets. You can start living in the open. When you become spiritually mature, you open your life to outside counsel before you make decisions. You open your life and you say, hey, listen, this is, this is going on. I want to hide it, but I want to bring it into the light before I make a decision. I, I, um, I had a big decision coming up, and I felt like God was leading me to take a risk. And uh, I said to my wife, listen, I already know what your heart is on this decision. Um, I want to be open with you to what I'm hearing from God. And I'd like you to pray. I just want you to pray and see if you get a red flag. That, that's all I'm asking. I'm not asking if this is what we're supposed to do. I'm just trusting God. I'm trusting God in you that if we're not supposed to do this, you will get a red flag. I didn't want to do that. I, I wanted to make the decision on my own. I didn't want to be vulnerable and open. Something in me wants to keep secrets. But I knew that's not where wisdom comes from. A lot of people become Christ followers. They become Christians, but many don't move from fear to love. And so they can't open their circle to other people and let other people speak into their life. They're so stuck in fear that it's hard for them to trust that other people have their best interest in mind. I hear time and again here at Revival Life Church, people... People love our church because we keep it real. I hear, I hear that so often. Well, y'all just keep it real. And, and here's what that really is. We try to be open and we try to be loving. We try to be a safe place for us to kind of walk through our issues, walk through our faith journey, to walk through what God is doing internally. We're, we're not perfect here. I'm not perfect my wife is closer to perfect, but my family's not perfect. But the key is, we were never called to be perfect. We were called to follow Jesus. And at Revival Life Church, it's our goal to keep the main thing, the main thing. Love God. Love others. That's the main thing. And when God's love is at the center we can love others, and here's why. We've moved from fear to love so we can bring other people into the circle. We don't say like, well, you have to act this way before I can trust you. We say, listen, I can just love. And if you disappoint me, I'm not going to be broken. If you hurt me, I'm not going to be shattered because my life is based on love, not my expectations of you. My love is found in Jesus Christ. My Identity is found in Jesus. My purpose is found in Jesus. So if you somehow are not loyal, I'm going to be okay. And guess what? If you fall down, I'm not going to feel like you left me. I'm going to be there. Th that, that's who we are. And people say that's keeping it real. See, as a pastor, I don't feel the need to portray myself as Jesus to you. I'll let Jesus be Jesus. I'm just going to be the shepherd. I lead you to the water. I beat the wolf with my rod and my staff, and I let him be the God. Now, 
Jesus said, this is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For a long time in my Christianity, I focused on the Great Commission. I wanted to reap the harvest. It was all about the harvest. And there's a movement in churches that it's all about getting people in the church. And I was like that for a long time. And then the love of God came and wrecked my life. And I came to realize that the great commandment comes before the great commission. If you're not getting the love of God right, you're not getting anything right. Remember, we talked about this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It said, understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Watch, watch, watch what Paul called times of difficulty that are coming. Watch this. He said, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, and abusive. He didn't say a dragon's coming from the sky. He didn't say Jesus is going to turn his back on us. The perilous times come when people only care about themselves. Friend, it's not about us. I, um, I grew up in a, in a, well, I didn't grow up in church. I grew up a heathen. Um, but I came to faith in a church that people would often kind of brag, you know, oh, I had to give that person a hard word. I had to give them a hard word. Like, no, you were rude. And you wanted to be Holy Spirit for them. You, 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 or people would say something like this. I don't know, maybe, maybe you've heard this. I love you, so I got to tell you the truth. The truth isn't mean and the truth isn't rude. That's soulish. No, you're being mean and judgmental. Jesus is the truth. I don't need people's judgment. I need God's love. Now, if someone loves you, you know, my wife can come to me and, and, and she does and says, hey, you know, we, we need to change this. Or my wife and I love our kids and we sit down and say, hey, listen, this is not who I want you to be. You're better than this. You're called to greater than this. Or this is just like wrong. Or we'll sit at the dinner table and I like to tell jokes and I'll say a joke sometime. My kids will be like, whoa, that crosses the line. We don't know. I'm like, well, I'm just joking. And they're like, yeah, no. Because they come from a generation that just wants us to be more kind to people. And so when we actually love, we don't try to sit outside and rebuke people. Here's how, here's what it comes down to, to keeping it real. Are you ready? We talked before about not performing for people, right? Are you following me? I hope you're following me. Is this making sense to anybody? Is this making sense? Okay, listen, it's not our goal to be judgmental and tell everybody how to live. It's our job and our goal to let the love of God transform our hearts, right? And open our circle. Watch this. When we love people, we can then bring them on our faith journey. That's what we want to be able to do. Just open up our lives and bring people on our faith journey. If you feel like, hey, at Revival Life, they keep it real. Yeah, because we don't hide our faith journey in the back room. 
If you're in church leadership, you should be at a place of spiritual maturity that you can bring people on your faith journey. You know, I'm not wrestling with whether or not Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? I'm not wrestling whether or not I should stay married to my wife. I'm not wrestling with the foundations of faith. So I just bring people on my faith journey. And I'm still wrestling. And if you're a friend of mine, you, I talk with you about the scriptures I'm wrestling with, about the doctrines that I'm wrestling with, things that I grew up with, and now I'm taking a fresh look at them. Just bring people on my faith journey. That's keeping it real. I want to have a real relationship with the real Jesus and have real faith growth. I want to keep it real. Don't try to act perfect to the people around you. Don't try to act perfect to the world. Quit being judgmental. Quit telling the world how they have to act. We don't need the world learning how to act like a Christian. Tell people, invite them in on how you make decisions. Invite the world into your struggles. Invite them into how you allow Holy Spirit to convict your heart. Just show them what it looks like to walk out your faith. Now, if you're struggling with, I don't know, some purity issue, maybe you've got some hang-up in your life, seek spiritual counsel. Don't spill that all over the world, right? They don't all need to see that. But let people in on how you are following Jesus, what he's speaking to you. In, uh, in Acts chapter 15, <clears throat> there was this debate in the church. And uh, you, you got to remember, there had never been mass conversions before, and now all these Gentiles are getting saved, and some of the Jews were saying that they needed to literally become Jews before they could be Christians. And some of the apostles went back to Jerusalem to talk to them and figure it out. And they told them, hey, listen, I know that you have liberty. Like, I know you have liberty, but don't, don't be so free in your liberty that you're bringing offense to other people. Don't be offensive that people can't see God. Don't be so self-righteous or don't be so free with your liberty that you're making it hard for other people to follow God. Paul said, listen, we can eat whatever meat we want, but I'll never eat meat again if it helps win people. That's super important to remember. I, uh, I have been... I, I've had some heart issues. I don't mean physical, I mean spiritual. If you know me and you know the doctrine of Revival Life Church, we believe that God made man and woman in His image. And there isn't part of His image that's lower than another part of His image, right? <clears throat> and you know you're in a cult when they start having restrictive rules for how women dress and men just dress normal, right? That's cultic. And there's a lot of Christianity in America that has... Dress codes for women. They'll tell them explicitly what women are allowed to wear, when, how to dress, how to wear their hair. Well, we've had a whole bunch of men who call themselves Christians who took guns to the streets so that nobody will tell them to wear a mask. Friends, this is not Christ. This is the controlling spirit that's been running their lives all along.
this is not real Christianity. This is not real Christianity. Real Christianity doesn't take guns into the street to protest. You can't make me be nice to somebody else. We're set free. No, friend, you are in bondage. Real Christianity says, I will gladly give up my rights to serve my brother. That's real Christianity. If I wear a mask and I can help save someone, yeah, sign me up. That's Christianity. Hey, I'm going to spend some of my money on school supplies for kids I'm never going to meet. Sign me up. That's Christianity. Hey, they need a media team at church and I just got to give up a Friday night and I'll be able to bless people who can't come to church because they're immunosuppressed. Yeah, sign me up. See, that's Christianity. I'll come to church an hour ahead of time to set up hospitality to serve my neighbor. That's Christianity. I'll put myself out there to invite somebody to watch the broadcast with me in the hopes that they'll get saved. Sign me up. That's Christianity. I'm going to fight for my rights and nobody can tell me what to do. Friend, that is not Christianity. That is not Christianity. That's the spirit of this age. Doesn't glorify Jesus. Doesn't demonstrate the love of God or the love of our neighbor. If we're going to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing in this generation, we're going to have to reach out to those who don't know what real Christianity looks like and show them. We are going to have to be the ones. If we don't do it, who's going to? Listen, today, if you feel like, man, I'm ready to do it, I want to encourage you to do it. I want to encourage you, man. Just, just start praying. Begin asking God, what is my next step? How do I show the love of God? How do I begin to serve the church? How do I begin to serve the lost? How do I begin to help the hurting? Well, I want to encourage you, you can start with forgiveness. Begin to allow Holy Spirit to search your heart for who you may need to forgive and release them from that bondage. Let's do it now, shall we? Let's just end today's service moving from judgment to grace. From judge to servant. And we'll actually come up to the high place with Jesus. You ready? We're all going to pray this together. We're just going to pray a prayer of God forgiving us and releasing other people that we may be in judgment of. Just repeat after me. You can just mumble out of your breath, but speak it. Don't just think it. All right? Everybody in the room too, okay? All right. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Ah, who died on the cross for my forgiveness. He released me from my sin. And I thank you for that. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And just like I am forgiven, I forgive those who've done things to me. I release them of their debt. I declare you're totally forgiven. Wow. Forgive me of my judgment, Lord. And help me to walk in grace and forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Wow. Amen. Do you feel good?
Come on, give it up in the room if you would. Come on. Now listen, now that we have released all this, we're going to receive the Lord's table. And I would, I would just like encourage you, show radical love to somebody this week. Maybe you've got issues with your mom or dad. Maybe that relationship is not as healthy. It may never get healthy, but you can get healthy. And you can be loving to a parent that you may be estranged from. Call mom. Call, call, call dad, right? Reach out to a relative. Reach out to your neighbor. And just be a non-judgmental, real Christian. This is what Jesus did for us when we didn't deserve it. And this is what he did on the night he was betrayed. He knew he was going to be betrayed, and yet he still loved. And so, Lord Jesus, the Bible says on the night you were betrayed that you gathered around that Passover table and you got the bread and you said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And today we sit at this table. Wow, wow, wow. We sit at this table with you, Jesus, at the head. Wow, we love you so much. And we say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that your body was broken so that your body on earth can be whole. Receive the body. And he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant mm, in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so I just declare in the name of Jesus, every broken heart, every disappointed life, every area of hurt, the blood of Jesus comes in and heals. Wow. Washes us clean. Wow. Wow. Receive. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, thanks for joining us today. I hope that you'll be the hands and feet of God in this season. And if you want prayer, go ahead and text RLC HELP to 97000, and someone will text you back. We'll set up a Zoom meeting. If you gave your life to Christ today, or you want to find out more information about Revival Life Church, don't, don't just move on. Go ahead and either say something in the chat or text RLC join to 97,000. Hey, we got room in our production team. We're about to launch big time. If you're a techie and you're like, I don't know anything, you can figure it out, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. We're going to open up hopefully soon. I can't wait to get back together. I can't wait till we can gather again physically on site, but show somebody some love today, all right? God bless you. We'll see you in Life Group. Woohoo! That was long, but... <laughs>